I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? We got legal on this? I like football, like football season, and all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. I'm back two days in a row here, man. Wow. We'll take tomorrow off, though. Oh, yeah. Okay. But uh, hey, we're back. PFF NFL Podcast had a great return yesterday. We had a fun discussion about Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones, me getting a GM off, uh, offer. Yeah. Got an offer. Sloan. A real offer. We will, um, I'm going to think about it. But um, well, that was set, all yesterday. We set your price tag, at least. Set the price tag. We got the, uh, the official numbers, the negotiation. Talk to my agent. We've reconsidered. My minimum's going to be up to a million now. I said seven fifty at the end of the show. Let's go a million. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we put out your minimum. That's not the way to do it, right, is to put out what's the least I will do this for and put it out into the public space. What you want is I'm actually looking for $3 million a year. Uh, and then when they come back and they're like, that's absurd, we'll give you five hundred k. you're like, well, let's meet in the middle. Right, and you end up one and a half million when you would have done it for seven hundred fifty k. Oh, my agent's fired. You can you can take over. See, I got it. So we had a great show yesterday, and today's going to be even better. Okay, because it's our QB rankings show, NFL draft QB rankings, and uh, at least one sleeper pick. I know you have a top ten. We'll see what we reveal mm-hmm. here. I've only gone to five. Okay, so you are lazy. I have a full time other job I'm doing here. <laughs> I didn't get around to like really grind the film enough to have. You a see, strong enough take. You see, I can, I can make one up, though. What you should have done is point out that the model has been unable to be fully up to date so far because you're waiting on a critical piece of information. That is what I'm waiting right. on. Right. So that, so obviously, there without, is. without the model, Steve is hopeless. Okay, I'll update it. I, my QB model, which uh, admittedly is trash compared to the rest of the positions, it's trash. <laughs> um, it's one of those things that's like good overall, but there's not a whole lot of data points that directly point to all the best quarterbacks over the last... Seven or eight years. That's kind of what you're looking for. There's yeah. not good data points that unlocked Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott. Yeah. There's not a lot. Okay. Did I say Allen? Josh no, Allen. Yeah. All the best quarterbacks. The data didn't like him. But <laughs> um, I can tell you who's going to be bad, probably. Oh, that's all that's right. That's a good job. Work. does a good job with that. That might be helpful in this draft. But we are missing a couple a couple variables in the model that mm-hmm. we'll update. I also just clicked save on this sheet, and it's like, might take the whole show. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Plug it in. Plug That's in also almost sleeper. certainly to create the buzzing in the show. That laptop trying to save your monster spreadsheet. That's just going to, like, the entire feed for this podcast is going to be. Zzz. Yeah. By Maybe the way, yeah. I'm going to announce it on the podcast, which might actually save me getting tweets the entire time. The, the incorrect file was uploaded to Spotify, I believe. Maybe other places as well. So if you were listening to uh, the. The mock draft show with me and Mike, and it's not the mock draft show with me and Mike. It is, in fact, some talk with Brad about free agency or whatever. Delete that. Redownload it. You should get the mock draft one. Okay, just delete that. Don't delete our other podcast. No, no, no. Just that show. Just the one that's it's been re- It's been fixed, but if you had already downloaded the wrong one, you're probably stuck with it unless you delete and redownload. Okay, yeah, that's a good update. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're getting a lot of, uh, a lot of messages. We apologize for the uh, inconvenience there mm-hmm. for our Spotify listeners. Um, if you all, also, if you have any complaints, just email Austin Gale at Spotify. It's probably his sure. fault if we screwed up. Uh-huh. All right, you ready to get into this? Yeah. How do you want to do QB rankings? We're gonna go. We're gonna we can count down. 
Count down? Count I, up? I mean, let's... Start at the top? Yeah, start at the top. Like Once we get to 1,000 people watching, then we'll, <laughs> then we'll reveal our number reveal one. your sleeper? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the way to do it. Okay. All right. Um, so you and I are both going to have at least a top five. Yes. That sound good? Uh-huh. And let's, for comparison's sake... Which, when you consider there's four supposed first-round quarterbacks, that really does sort of put into focus just how lazy you've been here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to watch the backups. Okay, that's fine. Carry who's, on. Who's going to be the next Brock Purdy? Nobody. Did you read the thing about that uh, S2 cognitive test thing? No, but it's I know. It's perfect. We'll start off the show with a giant tangent. Um, Some teams are hot on it. Yeah, and apparently Brock Purdy did really well in that test. Now, it's funny because you know that like HIPAA and all this kind of stuff. Oh, we can't tell you details. The company was like, we can't tell you how well Brock Purdy did, but we can say it was in the 90s. Like, what? That's pretty specific for not like, you know, giving out information that's confidential, et cetera. Um, but basically it was, we've talked about this for a long time, right? The idea that the Wonderlick test is kind of useless. It's an academic measure. It's not live reaction, sort of how do you react? That concept of being able to do things quickly under pressure and never sort of feel the pressure. Soccer players, you know, you can see those guys, Modric, Messi, these guys that are extremely good at that. They're never hurried. This is effectively trying to measure that. And according to them, let's face it, they're biased. They would say this. There's quite a strong connection between very good quarterbacks and scoring extremely highly on this test. The big thing they kept bringing up is that Brock Purdy's numbers were basically where Drew Brees was, which was off the charts. You know, and and I think Mahomes was another guy that was extremely good at like it does appear, if what they're saying is on the level, that this S2 test is doing a pretty good job of kind of quantifying the unquantifiable or the things that we've sort of lamented for a long time are not really good at being measured. Like maybe we finally have a good measure for that stuff. Yeah, I, I would want to see all the data, right? Of course. Because I've, I've talked to other people who run other tests, and it's like, hey, let me tell you why Josh Allen was great at this. Let me tell you why Baker Mayfield wasn't as good as this. And look, I fully admit, I think QB rankings, now, now that I'm into it, let me, let me just admit something. I thought PFF grades would completely change the game when it, come to, when it came to QB evaluation from college to the NFL. And it hasn't really. Because no. I don't think it, there isn't anything that is that set in stone. Now, are there data points and different things that you could use as part of a larger package to kind of point you in the right direction? Absolutely. But again... Whether it's recency bias or not, the biggest superstars that have come out the last few years are unbelievable traits guys who weren't necessarily the best, most productive quarterbacks. Now, if you want to go say Patrick Mahomes had all these 700-yard games in college, true. Justin Herbert did some cool stuff. And Josh Allen carried one. Like, there, there are ways to look at the data. But I'm saying, like, looking at all the data but it's even, yeah. side by side, there are not things that pointed to those guys first. So in this test, or the test I'm talking about, it's easy to pull out anecdotes and say, like, this guy was good, this guy wasn't, we were right, but you have to see all of it and throw it into the, right. the entire mix. To their, their credit, this company, there's an article about this on The Athletic somewhere. I don't have the title or the author at hand, but if you Google, you know, S2 testing, athletic or whatever, you probably get there. Um, they, they kind of bucketed the results. They were like, of the quarterbacks, I forget what their measure was, but like of the good quarterbacks, essentially, in the NFL over the last X period of years, their average score in this thing was really high. It was like above 90 or whatever. And of the guys that haven't been good, 
their score was like 15 points lower or something on average. So yeah. it wasn't just the Jerry picked. Um, yeah. This guy's really good. He had a 90. This guy sucks. He had a 50. It was they had sort of dumped it into much broader buckets that seemed at the very minimum to be uh, suggestive of something. Now, as I said, like they would say that, right? So who knows? But if that is something that's like effectively, if that achieves what we've been talking about, which is dump the wonderlick and create something that actually measures what you're trying to measure, that's huge. It yeah. might not completely change the game, but it might get you a hell of a lot closer. I'm sure it's an awesome data point to add into the mix, which is great, um, which we don't have, which is why I also think, you know, these QB rankings that we put out all the time, doesn't even matter. So let's get to it. Well, perfect. Perfect segue, because uh, one of the things in this article was, again, without being able to reveal his, in, his true score, Bryce Young is supposed to be off the charts of this thing. Oh, there we go. Because I've the, the, the other scores, the other tests that I've heard that are different, love Justin Herbert, love Josh Allen, didn't love uh, Baker Mayfield, like all the guys that were right, I hear these anecdotes. So that, that's good. That's interesting. So maybe we should have Bryce Young number one. I do. Well, if I could find my ad read again, we'll transition to that in a minute. Because the PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves and our QB rankings, Western and Southern's out there advancing your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day or draft night. Mm -hmm. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Let Western and Southern build your draft board. They'll do it all for you. Mm. Your plan, your draft night plan, all at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. All right, let's get into our QB rankings. And we'll compare to the, um, the PFF draft board, which again, just to explain, Mike Renner is the final say on the PFF draft board. He'll take in opinions, he'll take in uh, data, whatever he wants to look at, but ultimately we'll call it Renner's draft board is the one that you're seeing at pff.com. Mm-hmm. And you and I might have different opinions, which is allowed at PFF. Yeah, encouraged and, uh, in fact now. Because uh, it is encouraged. Because uh, data can be interpreted different ways. Correct. So let's go. Okay. By the way, I would sell my draft. I'd sell my draft model the same way that I'm going on a lot of tangents. I sell my draft model the same way they sell their scores. Like if you just take the top 80th percentile, you'll double your war historically yeah. since 2015. If you're into that NFL teams, if you're into doubling your wins added to your team since 2015, you can use my draft model. Uh-huh. All right, good. I, Bryce Young is my number one quarterback. Who's same. <clears throat> okay. Go on, Bryce Young. Yeah. So... People have been talking about this as like a group of four, and even we've been saying, you know, there are, there's a chance any of those four guys go number one overall, maybe. Um, the more I look at it, the more I think the gap between Bryce Young and the rest of them is just huge. It, it, the only thing, the only thing that changes that or confounds it in any way, shape, or form is his size. But if you decide, which to me feels kind of like a binary thing, it's either do you care or do you not care? If you don't care, he's by far the best quarterback in this draft class. Like a mile. His tape is so much better than anybody else's. If you do care, then the question is, well, how much do you care? Like this is a guy that's consistently got 90-plus PFF grades. His adjusted completion rate is sky high. His accuracy, he did it with less help at Alabama than the previous guys that came out of that Alabama system. So Tua, Mac Jones, he did more with less. He was a better quarterback than those guys were in college with an inferior supporting cast relative to what they had. 
Now, obviously, you know, comparing it to Will Levis is a different story entirely. But relative to the guys that came out of that system in the last couple of years, he didn't have as much boosting him up as those guys did. So I just think the more you go back and watch him, the more it becomes apparent that he's easily QB1. And then the debate becomes, well, now what does it look like two through four? So I've, I've said this before when it comes to outliers. Do you start, everybody seems to start with height, weight, speed, right? As this baseline that says, hit this first. And if you're outside of that, there better be a good reason for you to be outside of it. There be, you, know, you better be as good as Russell Wilson. You have to be so good at everything else to offset the height, weight, speed, whatever that might be as an outlier. Mm -hmm. And I've presented the case that we start the other way. And you start with the data or some sort of analytical framework and say, here are the players we want to pull from. Not, is he 6'3", 225? Does he fit the analytical framework? Does he have the, the level of production and, and even traits or what? Just start with other stuff and then get to the height weight, right? So I think if you do that for Bryce Young, you would say, okay, he's not an outlier. Like Anthony Richardson, you can make the argument, is more of an outlier than Bryce Young, right? People usually don't do it from that angle, right? Anthony Richardson's built in a lab quarterback, and then you add the data on top and you try to figure it out. Well, if we start with the data, we'll get to Richardson in a minute. There's a lot of data that says this is going to be a challenge to be a good NFL quarterback. He has to overcome a lot to get there. But he's an outlier. But, but you know, he'd be an outlier if he hits. I think Josh Allen is still an outlier that he hit. Sure. Because if you start from using data. So Bryce Young checks all those boxes, right? The production, the traits, the arm, and all that stuff. So now let's figure out how the height fits in. All and it's, it's extreme. It's yeah. an extreme thing. He would literally would. If he was 6'2", there's zero debate, right? Yes, easily. If um, he's six foot, maybe there's no debate. Right. Like you look at – that's the thing is that even in the scale of small quarterbacks, he's small, you know, really small. Like – Baker Mayfield got crap for being an undersized quarterback. Baker's like 6'1", 210, something like that. Like, yeah. he's not small compared with Bryce Young. And I say that as somebody who is bigger than Bryce Young. Like, I, I am 5'11", and about 180. I think that's pretty much, like, he's 5'10", and a quarter. And I think, even though he weighed in at 204 at the Combine, his actual playing weight is in the 180 somewhere. Now, okay, it's proportioned slightly differently, you know? He is unlikely to be carrying the same level of gut as I'm carrying around. I don't know what percentage of pounds that is, but you know what I mean? Yeah. The point is, he's my size, right? And Baker Mayfield is not my size. Baker Mayfield has two inches on me and about 25 pounds worth of weight and good weight. So we're talking about a very different body type to even, quote-unquote, small quarterbacks. But... When you look at the data, like every other data point says this guy's amazing. His PFF grade, passing grade has been 91.3 or higher in each of the last two seasons, um, his two seasons starting. The, he was the highest graded quarterback in the nation last season uh, in terms of passing grade. He has, in both years, a 2.0 turnover-worthy play rate, 2.0%. That's incredibly good. Very, very good. That's extremely uh, turnover-worthy play um, resistant, doesn't have many of them. And even when you look at those turnover-worthy plays, half of them I kind of applaud the process on. Like, have you gone through and looked at his, that reel? 
uh, at some point. I don't remember specifically what you're getting at. But well, yeah, effectively, half of his worst plays are like, they're so good when it comes to anticipation. He's basically just given people too much credit. He's yeah. like, I see what's going to happen. I'm going to rely on a guy getting to this spot at this time and puts the ball in the air without really being able to have any clue how it's going to work out. And, you know, something happens, the guy gets cut off or whatever. Like, If that's the case, though, it shouldn't be a turnover-worthy play. Then we no, should no, no, no. They're, the they're, they're still like it's on the far side of risky, you know what I mean? And, and these things can happen when you're throwing that far in advance. It's like if the guy doesn't make it to that spot, it's a bad play. So, But my point being, when you sort of break it down, you're like, was that idiot play? Was that just a mistake from a mechanics point of view? Like what happened on this play? I'm kind of okay with that process. You know what I mean? And that accounts for like half of the worst plays he has. So even like his negatives, for example, Aiden O'Connell, the Purdue quarterback. Yeah. You look at his turnover-worthy play reel and you're like, this is some of, these are some of the worst plays I have ever seen in my life. Like these are non-functional quarterback plays. It's like how you would need to sit him down and say, take the next two minutes and explain to me what the hell happened here and why you threw it to a gaggle of three linebackers over the middle of the field on a play that was never going to be on. I love he, Aiden O'Connell. But Bryce Young Hashtag has almost none, of those, none I, of those. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like his worst plays, you can see exactly what happened and you don't even want to criticize it too much. That, that's as clean as it gets in terms of a quarterback prospect. It all comes back to how much do you care that he's my size? That's pretty much it. Well, let me say, here's the other thing I really like about Bryce Young, you know, from uh, from my notes. You know, the, the short guys sometimes get docked for not having a great arm. I think his arm's good. Yes. I think he's got a good arm. He reminds me of Mariota. Mar- I don't think Marcus Mariota had a very good arm coming out. It was good enough, but he had a very good release. It reminds me of Marcus Mariota's release, quick, efficient, but with better velocity. I thought Bryce Young showed that he could take a beating. Now, it's not necessarily what you want from your quarterback, but he showed Tennessee game in particular. He can get hit, come back. Now, there's definitely some hits he should avoid, mm-hmm. right? He's got to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker sometimes. Um, the anticipation thing, I, I described it as it, he looks like he cancels reads quickly, right? He goes through, through his reads and very quickly cancels and gets to the next one is the way I was uh, I think, describing him. I think Bryce Young has the best anticipation of any quarterback I've seen come into the draft. Wow. I can't think of anybody who was better at anticipating throws than he was. Mac Jones would have maybe been the guy before that. He's better at it than Mac Jones is, and he has more capacity to make those throws in weird places than Mac Jones has. So his calling card, like this idea of if you're going to be that size, you better have something special – that's as special as it gets. I can't think of a quarterback who has better anticipation coming into the draft than Bryce Young had. That's a good social clip right there. I would, I would clip that right there, throw it on social media. Wow. And there's some virality to it. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, good. I'm just trying to help the social media team. Good like work. when I hear because we're always we're looking for for things that are going to pop. Mm-hmm. And when you make a declarative statement that it's the best <laughs> of anything, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. Uh-huh. I just keeping my ear open well done. for it. That's, it's true professionalism. Right They'll there. cut it before I say put this on social media. Make sure you cut the clip before that. Sure. Because you don't want that part of it. No. Um, so, yeah, it's it, – <clears throat> so when you talk about the height stuff, right, if you did start from the height thing and you said, okay, prove to me that you can overcome this, having anticipation would be one of those things that where you say, okay, that helps cancel it out, right? It helps you not – you know, 
being that far ahead of the defense, throwing the spots and all that stuff will help you not get messed in the clutter there from a vision standpoint. Also, by the way, doing it in the SEC is probably relevant. Um, the last two super small quarterbacks that were coming out and yet seen as really high prospects, Baker Mayfield, who, as we discussed, is A, bigger, um, but B, was doing it in the Big 12, and Kyla Murray doing it in the Big 12. Um, and Murray is maybe the most relevant example here because at least theoretically they're basically the same size. If you look at the list weights or the combine weights, even though I would argue that Kyle Murray is like 20 pounds heavier than Bryce Young in reality. The point being, he was doing it in the Big 12 where forget defenses being worse, they're stylistically very different. Right. There's a lot of that three-man rush contained stuff. Like you're not – the picture from a short quarterback in the pocket is very different against a Big 12 defense versus an SEC defense generally. So the fact that Bryce Young has been able to do it and do it well in the SEC – I think is actually quite a relevant thing. Like it's not, it's not the sort of, oh, it just means more, you know, memes that you get about the SEC. I think it is actually a thing that is important here. It, uh, so a lot of people have been quick to say he's not Kyler Murray just because they weighed in same height, same weight, right? Yes. And I completely agree. Like, Kyler Murray is far uh, twitchier, also faster, yeah. has more arm and all that. And he's bigger. And he's absolutely, bigger. Kyler's bigger. Than Bryce Young. Any picture you see the two yes. of them stood next to each other, there is no way there's only three pounds difference between the two people. Which is crazy. And look, I do have a fear. Like, I thought when Tua, who is slight, Tua is slight. Yes. Tua's first two seasons on the field for the Dolphins, I think you felt that. You felt that he didn't have a cannon for an arm. I think you felt that he's not driving the ball out the numbers and that he felt small. I have a bit of that fear with Bryce Young, I think. You know, that maybe he's going to get out there and – it's uh, he's gonna look small. He's gonna look like uh, I'll lose my phone here. Yeah, he's gonna look like I don't know, a little overwhelmed. But I think he's a, I think he's got better pure pure tools than Tua. Yeah. Um, and Tua, by the way, was pretty good at seeing the field and getting through it and all that stuff. He's a but, better athlete. He's got a better arm. He's got all every physical tool he has is better than Tua's, except obviously yeah. the size. My my only concern with Bryce Young is effectively what happened to Tua last year, specifically that. Christian Wilkins, uh, Christian Wilkins, the wrong guy. Who, the uh, who got hold of him? DJ Reader, somebody on the Bengals. I was gonna say I've been, I've literally been referring to that as the Christian Wilkins thing, and it's only just connected in my brain that they play on the same. If team. Wilkins did it, that it's would very be very unlikely uh, to be uh, Christian Wilkins. Don't. That would be bad if he did that at practice. Yeah. Um, the point being, at some stage, a guy that weighs over three hundred pounds is gonna get hold of him, like fistful of jersey, get a grip, and. It, that guy is going to get tossed to the ground. And when you only weigh 180 pounds, like I do, you have no way of stopping that. Like, you're, you are a passenger from that point until your body connects with the hard turf under your feet. And there's nothing you can do about that. Like, at some point, that's going to happen to the dude. And that's a problem in a way it isn't a problem for a Josh Allen or an Anthony Richardson or somebody weighs 240. Like, you are, it's a very different dynamic of physics when that happens all right just to uh i agree i mean that's obviously a concern um here's the other thing with bryce young josh tupu I... was apparently who it was according to eli oh there you go perfect thank you eli that's I why we why have that was christian wilkins in my brain particularly i haven't sat there and corrected you for the no i know that's that's maybe months. the worst part about it i've been saying that several times and you're like yeah let's just let it go i actually don't listen to much of what you say 
Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Uh, Bryce Young is just the best natural playmaker in this draft, too. Natural football instincts. Is somebody sighing in there? Somebody upset? Heard somebody in the in the booth was upset with my comments, I think, hmm. maybe. Um, so I know we're going we're to talk about Anthony Richardson and his ridiculous playmaking ability, but I'm talking natural feel for the game. The thing – I'm going to compa- compare Bryce Young directly to Patrick Mahomes. No, the thing that clearly separates Patrick Mahomes from so many other quarterbacks or Josh Allen, like just feel for it, the ability to make plays outside the pocket. And, look, I've been burned before looking at this stuff too much, thinking this is what you need. But uh, he has it. I'm ready to get burned again. He's got the natural playmate. 99th percentile outside the pocket grade per PFFIQ. When you look at the history of quarterbacks coming out since 2015 that have gone on to play in the NFL, 99th percentile grade in college. He is a creative playmaker. And when he moves in the pocket, he does it with a purpose. So it's the other thing to offset the height. It is bad when quarterbacks retreat normally. Because they're 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 screwing their offensive line, they're creating bad pass blocking angles. He retreats when he needs to, right? He maneuvers the pocket when he needs to. He retreats when he needs to create room to make a throw. He moves with a purpose in the pocket. Those are NFL level traits that Bryce Young has: natural uh, playmaking ability, creativity, moves with a purpose in the pocket. Yeah, the bottom line to me is um, you don't want to be the team that looks at this guy and says he's by far the best quarterback in the draft but he's really small, so we're going to take one of the other guys, and then he ends up looking like a superstar, and you look like a moron because you were scared that he was 5'10", 185 pounds. Let me ask you this. I, that's By the way, that's the weight I'm using. I don't give a crap that he weighed 204 at the combine because I he's don't 185 for a second. There, there were I mean, pictures of him standing you're a doctor. next. You're basically a doctor. Right. You could tell. I also, by the way, I'm about 185. I know what it looks like. Um, there's a guy that... Was stood next. He was stood next to C.J. Stroud during the workouts. C.J. Stroud weighed in at like 6'3", 210, 215, something like that. There's no way. There's only 10 pounds between the two of them. He looked like his little brother there for the day, like hanging out while the big kids actually play. There's just, no. 204 is fake weight. It's ridiculous. He's 185. What do we do on, uh, on our website? What do we do on the site? Do we go with the... <laughs> The, the, the real weight from I the combine, the water weight, yeah. the milk weight. I think, unfortunately, you're bound by the list, right? I can do whatever I want. Yeah? Well, then just put him in at 185. Yeah. Say he's 180. I'm going to uh-huh. go right now. I'm going to go change it right now. He's go change Pat Williams while you're at it to like 380. Yeah. There we go. He's 380. Ted Washington's 400. Yes. And Bryce Young is 185 in perpetuity. 400 at minimum. One last thing. I also, all of this said, Bryce Young, QB1, I agree. I'm not as afraid of missing on him you know if I was in an organization that didn't love him other people had him at QB3 I'm not as afraid of missing on him and him becoming a superstar is that does that sound weird like I'm not of oh, Bryce Young Bryce Young what do you mean you're not afraid as afraid of like you I don't think he's in the Caleb Williams Trevor Lawrence. I think Caleb Williams is going to come in as the best prospect since Trevor Lawrence you know he's going to come in with hype uh-huh. and it's legitimate hype and it's real uh, maybe Drake May next year also does. I don't. I'm not. Af- like I would be afraid of passing on those guys for any reason. I would want to maneuver to go get those guys. I don't know if I'm. I like Bryce Young a lot. I don't know if I'm going out of my way to get Bryce Young. Uh, the same way I would for them, 
right? I am a believer in draft quarterbacks and go get them. And if I'm the Colts at four, I would go to one and I would take Bryce Young. But I, I'm not going out of my way as much as some of those other guys. Or no, is there a cap? Like Kyler, Kyler might cap it, QB8, right? Is there a cap to Bryce Young superstardom, even if he gets into the top eight, which is always what we use as this cutoff? Is there a cap to it, or can he get up into the top five quarterbacks in the NFL? I don't know if there's a cap to it. To me, the thing, the, the, the only thing that stops me, well, not the only thing, one of the things I think that potentially prevents teams from going, I'm scared by this small guy, I'm going to go somewhere else, is I don't love two, three, and four. If this was next year, and it was like, all right, we've got this guy who's an amazing quarterback, but he's 5'10", 185-ish, uh, is the reason to be scared of that. Well, if, you, if your alternative is the two guys next year, I think you have a much easier reason to go to hell with that. Let's go somewhere else. This year, the gap, in my opinion, between him and the next three guys is so big that it's much more difficult to talk yourself into being scared of the height and size thing because the alternative is a much worse quarterback in either of the other three guys for various different reasons. So you, could, you think Bryce can be a top, ten, a top five quarterback – Nothing. Nothing can. Nothing specific will keep him from from that necessarily. No, I don't. I mean, he's already he's top five is vague. Just general. Yeah, he's. I mean, it's it's very difficult to project that from college to the NFL generally. But like, if he can do that in college, that's what you have to be shooting for at the next level. Like we again, we're talking about un, not unprecedented, but rare and exceptional anticipation skills and the physical tools from an arm strength point of view to do everything else. I mean, let's let's give it a shot. So he can be – you're describing a lot of Drew Breesy type of traits. Sure. Um, I've got some QB comps. I don't know if we did put oh, those yes. in your graphic. We'll do those later. Okay. We'll do those later. Um, so we'll, we'll wrap it up with some of my, my QB comps. Yeah. Dude, we have a hard out, huh? We can move on. I was going to say, now we need to talk about some other things. All right. So Bryce Young's both of our first our, – our top quarterbacks. Now things start to change. Yeah. Give me your second quarterback on the board. So the more I was doing this, the more I found it difficult to put any of the three as QB2. I don't want any of them as QB2. Let's skip QB2 and go to QB3. <laughs> There's no QB2. Yeah. Okay. Gap. Yeah. It's Bryce Young, number one. Gap. And then Will Levis is the next guy I would take. Wow. Really? Yes. Oh, and I, I take it with a lot of reservations. Will Levis So had, locked in. He's the second best quarterback in the draft you have. There's no question about it. Oh, no, there's questions. That's what there's I heard. plenty of questions. Um, he's your two. It's, this is going to social media, by the way. Will Somebody's going to say, you have him too, which is crazy. Will Levis had seven big-time throws last season. Seven. He's got 26 in his career. I know. He only had 13 the year before that. He's living off being a big-time throw guy. It's been, they're nice. They're two, nice. Of them, two of them came against Georgia, to be fair. But anyway... Far hash back shoulder against Georgia was yeah. beautiful. Seven big-time throws is a staggeringly small number for a dude whose, like, selling point is upside, you know? Like, cannon for an arm, what he can do, blah, blah, blah. Well, then why didn't you do it more than seven times in the season? God. Anyway, I, you don't have to junk it, but if you want to see the reason Will Levis is number two, you have to look at 2021 tape. 2022 tape is not going to get you there. It just isn't. 2021 tape where he's in an NFL offense, effectively. Um, so just so people know, Liam Cohen yes. was the offensive coordinator at Kentucky in 2021. He Correct. came from the Rams. Mm -hmm. He was offensive coordinator there. Kevin O'Connell took over for Liam right. Right that year. 
So Liam goes to Kentucky in 21, goes back to the Rams last year in 22, and now he's back at Kentucky heading into next year. So we had an NFL offense. They were running the Rams offense effectively. And in that year, you saw an NFL player in Will Levis. Um, He made more big throws, albeit still not a huge number. Um, He operated the concepts in that offense really well. Like he, I think, had more sophistication in his uh, processing, in his footwork, in his movement in the pocket than people give him credit for. Now, look, you used, what were you looking for? Your thesaurus word? Sporadic. Right. In my notes, I kept saying sporadic about everything. Footwork, accuracy, it's all sporadic. I had the word erratic. You know, we're in the same ballpark, right? Everything he was doing was pretty inconsistent, particularly from a footwork standpoint to me. Um, His accuracy definitely isn't great, but it seemed to get better the tighter the window he was aiming at. Like his worst misses are all the easy ones which I feel should be fixable. Like, if you've shown the ability to make tough, accurate, tight window throws, like, just get your footwork under you when you're dumping it off to the running back in the flat. How hard can that be? Um, So I just think he showed enough that year for me to buy into what he is, in large part because unlike Bryce Young, like, I just don't love the other two guys. All right, well, I have Levis as my four. Yeah. So I'm, Which I'm, is starting to sound more what the consensus is now. Yeah, I, I might be falling into the consensus. We'll see what happens. Now, Mike has him number two. Right? Mike also has him at number two. Yeah, just so we, we as we said, we're going to use the PFF draft board. He's got Bryce Young at number one, also number one overall on the board. He's got Levis at fourth overall on the board in QB2. So mm-hmm. um, Renner has been a Will Levis believer. There he are has. a lot of Will Levis believers there. And I really think if you look at – if you restrict yourself to 2021 tape – you come away a lot yeah. more impressed by Will Levis than you would from last year. Yeah, the Will Which, Levis— by the way, last year his, his supporting cast was garbage. Yeah, I agree. I get it. Um, the Will Levis conversation and the Anthony Richardson conversation have similarities, but also some differences. The similarities are because they're both big and really good arm and they're good athletes, and Richardson's in another world athletically, but yeah. Levis is a good athlete who lowers his shoulder and knocks some dudes over as a runner. Mm-hmm. The conversation, though— has those Josh Allen similarities, but here's but with Levis, it's well, you got to go back to 21. You got to go back. You got to skip this year. You got to go back, and you got to make excuses for the supporting cast. We heard that stuff for Josh Allen. Yeah. And the Richardson conversation, all you hear is like, well, he's Josh Allen's arm strength and size and athletic ability. Therefore, so it's it's all like Josh Allen is dictating where these guys are ranking because Josh Allen hit. And in my concern, my concern for the next few years is that we're going to take. I still think Josh Allen's an outlier. I still think he's an outlier from the perspective that I take, and it is, it's risky thinking that these guys are all going to be the next Josh Allen, even though you could have the same conversation you had with these guys as you did with Allen coming out of Wyoming. Yeah, like if I think the same thing is still a big – like if you're talking about a quarterback that's inaccurate and you need to fix accuracy, Josh Allen did it. Lamar Jackson did it. He was the least accurate quarterback in the NFL as a rookie and then took a giant jump from year uh, one to two. Um, the point is, it's still very rare that a guy goes from being very inaccurate to being very accurate. So if that's a concern, it is a concern. It's a real thing. Differences between Richardson, as you said, Richardson is like all-world freaky from an athletic standpoint. He has the highest relative athletic score of any quarterback in history, one decimal point ahead of Cam Newton. Uh, Levis doesn't have that. On the other hand, Levis might have accuracy problems, but they're not in the same ballpark as Richardson. Like, Levis is a significantly uh, more accurate quarterback 
than Richardson, even if it's a concern. The other thing is, I think that that supporting cast thing is a really important uh, element to discuss with Levis because you use the word excuse, which it is, but some excuses are valid and there are reasons as well as being excuses. And when you look at Levis' supporting cast, he had bad players around him and he was going up against good players. Like Kentucky is in the SEC, which meant they're playing Georgia and Alabama and like legit teams with amazing defenses. And he had none of that, you know? So when you're looking, it's not like Josh Allen who was both supported by garbage and playing garbage, you know? Which yeah, I get it. I, I don't know if this is true from a statistical point of view or a data science point of view, but you could pretty easily argue that that cancels itself out, right? The guys around you stink, but so do the guys you're throwing against, so we're, let's call it a wash and move on. The guys around Levis stink, but the guys he was playing did not. Like, he, he was playing legitimately the best defense that's ever suited up for college football a year ago and didn't play badly against them. I get it. I see it. Okay, so who's that's, your two? Let's move on. Um, so Levis is four for me. I'll come back with some some other takes on Levis. My number two is C.J. Stroud. Mm. I'm going Stroud. I, I watched ha- the Georgia game. <laughs> Let's say I watched the Georgia game. I have Stroud four. And you have four. So basically, we, so we both have Richardson three, Yes. presumably. And so your two is my four and vice versa. I'm, uh, I'm taking a different – my reasoning's different on this. What's your reasoning? The Georgia game? It's me re reimagining quarterback drafting. Oh. Reimagining reimagining the whole paradigm shift. Right? So I'm in the draft room and we're talking about Bryce Young's off the board. Who do we take? We need a quarterback. And I would make the pitch that I'm okay drafting a four year quarterback. I'm okay drafting a guy strictly for the projecting him maybe as just a first contract guy. And getting to the end of the first contract and saying I'm I'm moving on, and if if I can if I could sell that as a half a million dollar GM in my draft room mm. as a cheap GM, I can draft I'll draft C J Stroud because I think he's a I think he'll be a good first contract quarterback. That's my it's all projection. This is all with you know we we don't know anything. <laughs> nobody doesn't nobody knows anything here. But I'm seeing him run an offense. He is extremely accurate. Now, extremely accurate in the Ohio State offense, that's a little scary because accuracy numbers-wise, Justin Fields also was in a, a different world, and we don't see that same level of accuracy at the NFL level, mm-hmm. right? So as much as we track accuracy, we track actual ball location on everything, there are other, there are other variables to to that, right? Open receivers and time in the pocket and all those different things. Justin Fields' accuracy that we saw in college has not translated to the NFL. I think Stroud does. He's a natural passer. You're going to hear these words, natural passer, natural thrower and all that stuff. I think he's got a pretty good feel for the game. I don't love him getting to his second read all that much. I don't love his natural playmaking ability, despite what he did in the Georgia game. The Georgia game, man, he was breaking free from pressure, throwing the ball 20, 25 yards down the field on scramble drill and all that stuff. If that, if you get that Stroud, yes. he's Q, he might be QB1. He right. might be better than Bryce Young. If you got you that, can't bank on one game, right. but it does mean something. And so, I, look, I'm putting Stroud at two. I don't love it either. I don't love any of these things either. But my reasoning for Stroud versus Richardson is different, right? Stroud's the guy I trust to come in, and I'm going to build a juggernaut around him in his first four years, and I think we can win games. 
which is different from I'm going to draft Anthony Richardson and build an offense around him and try to hit a grand slam with my pick here, and he'll be my quarterback for 10 years if he develops. So I'm do, it's two different mentalities, but for now I'll say Stroud is my two. If you could guarantee you were getting the Georgia game, C.J. Stroud, he would be essentially neck and neck with Bryce Young, only without the size concerns. So he'd be the number one overall pick. Um, but that was almost the only time we saw that happen. Like, it, it was such an outlier for him that it's so weird. Um, like, it's hard to know what to do with that. It's so far away from his baseline, but it was in the right direction against the toughest competition, yeah. and, and it answered all of his questions. To clarify, not not from a production standpoint, right? I see people say, well, of course, he's, he put up stats for, right. for two straight years. From a traits standpoint, right? If you're scouting C.J. Stroud, the, the scouting report for the first 20 games of his career, read something like in rhythm, good, accuracy, blah, 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 blah. Don't trust him under pressure. Don't really trust him outside of structure. Don't trust his natural playmaking ability. And then Georgia happened. And he did all of that. It was like every negative on the scouting report, he just goes, check, check, check. Look, I can do it, but I did it in my last college game. And you have no idea if that was like, I just figured it out, or if it just happened to be the outlier in the last game. Happened to be the biggest game against the best team, but it was the last thing we saw for C.J. Stroud. Yeah. The first point I would make is that I hate quarterbacks coming out of that Ohio State offense. It's so hard to extrapolate what they're doing from the way that offense has worked over the last few years. Almost all of C.J. Stroud's best plays are single coverage, a, a, a hitting a route that's going to work against the defense that's in front of him. And it's effectively just pitch and catch to a target. Now, he tends to pitch and catch very well to a target. Like we saw at the combine during the throwing drills, he's probably the most natural, uh, just accurate quarterback throwing the ball to whatever the target is in this draft. I mean, he said, what was it he used? He said he was something like a ball location specialist or something like that, which is probably Maybe true. Maybe that's what sold me on it. I heard right. him say it. It's got to be true. Yeah. But I think from a process standpoint, he's so far behind Bryce Young. Like his anticipation is nowhere near the same. His working through progressions and uh, reading defenses and getting to the next two or three is not even in the same ballpark. And that's before you get to the off structure stuff or the outside of structure stuff, which he just doesn't do an awful lot of and generally was bad at outside of that Georgia game. Um, so he's the guy that I have the most concerns about in terms of what does his process look like. This was the same thing with Justin Fields, right, in that offense. And Fields, A, was better than C.J. Stroud was at it. I think he was a better passer in similar offenses. But B, that's still where he's struggling the most right now. Like, Fields, if you think he's good, it's because of his rushing ability, which it turns out is, like, otherworldly. It's not because of what he's doing as a passer right now. So if Stroud comes in even if he's the same as where Fields was in that area. But without the other stuff, that's not great. I don't know that Fields is the – I think Stroud is a better overall passer than Fields and natural passer than Fields. But Fields Maybe. has – I think. That's what I think. That's what I'm seeing. But it's a similar – like the problem was the But he same, doesn't have the athleticism. Which is like most of his plays in that offense are like drop back, stare down a target, wait till he's open, and then hit him with the ball. I get it. I get it. Um, and look – when, when you put a ranking together, it's pretty declarative. I would take this guy over that guy. I've, as always, I'm finding a way to hedge here and say these, these things depend. They depend on my goals. They depend on my, my uh, risk appetite for my current team. I think that's a thing. Um, as I read my notes on Stroud, 
I need a pristine situation around him. Yeah, right. Which isn't good. There, there are Jared Goff comps that I've seen out there for Stroud that I don't think are crazy. But putting a pristine situation around a quarterback, I'm more likely to make that take that chance on a first contract. Like give him the first four years, and if I could put a great offensive line around him and get him a slew of playmakers, he's a good outside lane thrower, gets the ball outside the numbers. Like I think he'll work. With similar playmakers as he's had at Ohio State, which, by the way, have been out of this world. Yes, that which is a relevant point as well. By the way, the chat is losing their mind over, like, helmet scouting, right? Helmet, where, where helmet scouting is bad is saying no Ohio State quarterback can be good because they've never had a good one in the NFL going back years, right? Troy Smith or whatever. Like, that's helmet scouting. Comparing two guys who have come into the draft in recent years from essentially the same offense who happen to go, you know, go to the same school – that's relevant. Like, yeah. that's not helmet scouting. We're not saying yeah. C.J. Stroud cannot be good because, like, based off what has happened with Justin Fields, you're saying Justin Fields was seen as this caliber prospect coming out of the same offense uh, operating at this level. Like, it's a comparison. Same with Tua and the Alabama quarterbacks. How Mac Jones and Tua and Bryce Young have fared in the NFL and where they were seen as prospects coming into the draft is a relevant piece of information that is different from saying – because A.J. McCarron is now in the XFL, Bryce Young can't be the number one overall pick. That would be helmet scouting. Comparing him to the two guys that have come out of the system in the last three years is just analysis. Like, that's just relevant information. Yeah, we're, you're, when we get to Anthony Richardson, we're not going to compare him to Tim Tebow because they went to Florida. Right. It's different offenses. That would I mean, be they helmet do some, scouting. Right, that would be helmet scouting. Um, Dwayne Haskins is another one, right, who was in the Ohio State offense. It was under, you know, Similar, right? Great playmakers between Haskins, Fields, and C.J. Stroud. We've basically seen three straight first-round right. quarterbacks. That there, there is some analysis to be had there based off what they had to do in college and what they've done in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, simply like evaluating guys who have come from the same offense in the same system with broadly uh, similar circumstances is not helmet scouting. It is like comparing relevant playmakers. Like helmet scouting is analyzing whether Baker Mayfield could succeed in the NFL because of what Jason White did. Like it's, you know what I mean? It's, that's, that's helmet scouting and that's irrelevant. So we're not doing that. No. There's a discussion of risk assessment. Yeah. I mean, that's, so I'm torn on Stroud versus uh, Richardson, who we both have at three, by the way, the PFF NFL draft board has Stroud at three. Mm-hmm. So um, Bryce Young, the PFF NFL draft board. QB three. Right, QB three, five overall on the board. He's Renner put them four, five, six. Yeah, the the, the 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 next quarterback. So Renner has Bryce Young, Will Levis, so now, and then Stroud. Now we get the Richardson discussion. Now it's Anthony Richardson time. Mm-hmm. I'm putting him at three. You're putting him at three. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have some more takes on Levis and some comps to put out there. Did uh, I heard Renner's take on Richardson? The combine didn't change his take on Anthony Richardson. Right, which I think is fair. Like from from his perspective, he's like, did did something change? In my evaluation with the combine, it's no. It doesn't matter what what he ran, any of that, unless he ran like a four seven, and you thought he was going to run four right. four. Um, so Anthony Richardson, I put him at three because I think you know I, I'd take him in a different situation from Stroud, where I'm going to build the offense around him from a run game perspective. Um, the the stuff I talked about with there's going to be Josh Allen comps, there's going to be Cam Newton comps, there's going to be all this. Justin, uh, Justin Fields, who we just saw, you know, run through the NFL, even though he was, you know, still figuring out as a passer. We're, we, there's elements of all of that in Anthony Richardson's game, um, but there are also concerns. 
I think Richardson has more to overcome than the other guys he's going to be compared to. He is not as good of a passer, accuracy and footwork-wise, than all of those guys coming out. And those guys weren't great. Josh Allen, Cam Newton, Justin Fields is different. So here, here's a number we're putting up here on, on YouTube. I pulled out some quote-unquote, let's call them project type of quarterbacks through the years, right? These are the guys where it's like they, they, they have to improve their, accurate, their accuracy. They've got things to improve upon. And so just using our accuracy percentages, Justin Herbert's at 58%. He was a guy that had to work at it. I put Trubisky in there because we know he got into the NFL and became inaccurate. He was pretty inaccurate. He was at 58%. Josh Allen was at 53%. This is using actual ball location. He's putting it where it needs to go. Lamar Jackson, 52%. Trey Lance, 47%. And then Anthony Richardson is last among this group that I cherry-picked because I think they're similar. <laughs> I mean, Anthony Richardson's last no matter which guys you pick. But right. I, put, I picked these guys because we thought, hey, there are some accuracy concerns coming out. Or in Trubisky's case, accuracy concerns in the NFL at the NFL level. And Richardson's at 46% accuracy rate. And he's less experienced than all of them except Trey Lance. So there are hurdles to overcome for Anthony Richardson. So now it comes down to your risk appetite, Sam. What are you willing to risk to maybe see this through and see what Anthony Richardson can become? I mean, so to me, though, the combine did change my opinion on Richardson a bit because obviously we knew he was an impressive athlete, but to exceed Cam Newton as the greatest uh, relative athletics score of any quarterback in history was not something that I would have anticipated happening with him going into the combine. For him to be that big and that athletic, I think does change the baseline of what your expectations should be for him in the NFL. I, like Again, this is there's two ways where I think he is fundamentally different from Malik Willis last year, who remember, with, let's not rewrite history, we were making a pitch that if you were going to draft a quarterback in the first round and Detroit at the bottom of the first round was where we liked it the most, um, it was worth taking a gamble on a guy like Malik Willis because really good athleticism, really big arm, and you can try and take a gamble that that guy turns into something at the next level. Richardson is, number one, significantly bigger than Malik Willis. Like, Willis was, what, 6'1", 220? Richardson is 6'4", 245. Like, totally different ballpark. Number two, the athleticism is very different. Like, Richardson's, again, way ahead of where uh, Malik Willis is, factoring in size. And number three, Richardson is further ahead from a passing point of view, from a process standpoint. He, he wants to be a pocket passer. He does work through reads. He does hang in the pocket when he can. He works through a progression. It isn't just one read and run, which is what it was with Malik Willis. So you're closer to turning him into a passing quarterback if you can figure out the accuracy problems, which admittedly is bad. Um, but all of that put together, I think you end up with this baseline that I actually think at this stage, it's kind of hard for him to be terrible because he brings so much from a rushing standpoint and an athleticism standpoint that like and can you know read a defense like it's not like again it's not one read and done at that point i think you can build something where it's going to be it's going to buy it, he's going to have the jalen hurts opportunity to figure it out over a two or three year period and see where you can get him as a passing quarterback and if you don't get him any better it's probably still functional over that period of time it's just not going to you know catapult you into anywhere amazing so 
I think we're actually completely mislabeling what he is. He's being talked about as this really low floor, high ceiling guy, like incredible range of outcomes where he could stink or be amazing. I actually think the chances of him stinking are really small now. I think his floor, not the highest of this group, because I think Bryce Young's is, but the next highest. Um, And the question is the ceiling, because that passing might not get any better. And if it isn't, the ceiling's actually quite low, even though he is an athletic freak and has a cannon for an arm. But if the if you can fix the accuracy, then all of a sudden his ceiling is through the roof. Then he, so he does land. He lands in that high high floor. You can build your rushing attack yes. around him. So the this is why you're going to be more sold on Anthony Richardson because of what's happened in the league recently, whether mm-hmm. it is Fields last year, who through week seven – the Bears' offense was trash. But once he started running, right. they were explosive. And it's buying some time for him to develop as a passer. The Eagles can b- build their rushing attack around Jalen Hurts. Hurts is a different passing prospect as Anthony Richardson, but the floor of that offense was high. Um, Taysom Hill, when he was in there, you actually raised the floor of the Saints' offense because of the way he ran. And then even Daniel Jones, who just made $40 million a year. Um, again, a completely different passing prospect as Anthony Richardson, but Daniel Jones as a passer in isolation, I don't think he makes the 40 million. I think it's what Jones adds as a runner and the fact that the Giants are willing to tap into it. Yeah. Um, you you keep saying the Falcons at eight oh, I love are that. a great I would fit. I love that. In part because they've shown they want to run this, right? They had Marcus Mariota drop him back 14 times in certain games last year. Richardson can step in right now and do that and run the Falcons offense the same way Mariota did. And critically, time. like, does he need time to develop? Yes. Does he need time to develop off the field? No. See, that's the difference. I don't think you need to sit Richardson for a year to teach him how to play quarterback. I think he needs to work on technique, uh, mechanics, and fundamentals probably in an offseason or in multiple offseasons, again, like that, Josh Allen did. Do a whole season of that. Just let any quarterback sit. I want any quarterback to sit. I just, But my point being, I think you, your argument essentially is – if he didn't have to play, how much work could you get done with Jordan Palmer and rework his mechanics over like a four-month period during the season? Which is, I think, an entirely valid argument and one that I would have a lot of time for. But my argument would be, I think you probably end up with a net gain giving him a year of snaps and play time and then saying in the offseason when we've got seven months, we'll fix the mechanics stuff. Like, do what you do now We'll take the notes, like we'll figure out where you need to fix it, you know, and Jordan will be waiting there. So when you get to February, bam, we start the fix. But like now, just get snaps under your belt because this dude's barely played. Like that's another thing. Just get him reps. Get him out in the field. And in an offense like Atlanta's in particular, you could do that day one. He would make a positive impact. And then for the next seven months in the offseason, you fix the mechanics part of it. Richardson, when he's on the field, and I mentioned this in – if you go, if you want more Richardson analysis, go back to our fixing every team in the AFC West episode because I had some points there which I might not be able to replicate here. Um, but we we had a little Richardson discussion there that, that I thought was solid. When he was on the field, though, his top twenty plays look like Hall of Fame player. Mm-hmm. His top twenty, like some of the stuff he did, spinning out of the, uh, the tackle on a two point conversion against Utah, like some of the other stuff that he did running whatever it was, 65, 80 yards, whatever it was against LSU, running through the defense. I mean, just special, special stuff. What is Schefter trying to do here? What? We don't have time for Schefter to be breaking news in the middle of this podcast. He just said the Jets agreed to a trade, but it's 
It's Chuck Clark. Yeah. So we're not doing that. Schefter. Finish your Richardson Chuck thing. Clark's good. Richardson, his best 20 plays, and you might hear me say this every year about a <laughs> quarterback. Like, his best 20 plays are the best in the draft class or something to that effect. Richardson, it legitimately is Hall of Fame looking worthy. Like, this, you, you want this guy in your team and he's going to the Hall of Fame. It might also legitimately be the only real 20 plays that he's made in his career because everything else, because he hasn't played a lot. So there is a... Uh, much like Trey Lance. Remember, Trey Lance came out with 319 passing attempts Crazy small. in college. Richardson has a tiny sample size. Um, I also brought up the point on that AFC West show. There's something to – he didn't elevate Florida from a wins perspective, right? That, yeah. that, that eats at me a touch. Yeah. The fact that Kyle Trask, who we've seen look a little overwhelmed in the NFL, Kyle Trask – was the one guy that actually transformed the Florida offense over the last 10 years since Tebow. How long has Tebow not been there? 12 years, 13 years. He's the one guy, Kyle Trask, in 2020, that actually transformed the Florida offense and elevated them beyond where they had been anywhere for quite a while. Richardson didn't do that. Now, I do think if he went back to Florida this year, right? But Heisman candidate, he's probably rushing for 1,500 yards, and he's going to break some records there and, and transform the Florida offense there. But now you're saying now he's going to do that. That's his rookie year now in the NFL. So I think it will take some time, but he'll look like the best athlete on the field from day one, and you could build a running game around him. That's where the comp to Cam Newton falls down a little bit for me. Like Cam Newton was so overwhelmingly dominant from a physical point of view that he stepped into he stepped onto the field at Auburn and immediately dragged that team single-handedly to a national title. Like he was that overwhelming that he just went, I'm better and bigger and more physically dominant than you are and we're going to win there's nothing you can do about it and Richardson didn't quite do that so even though theoretically Richardson is every bit the athlete that Cam Newton is if not more judging by his relative athletic score that is a little bit not of a concern but that that doesn't help the argument I think for him and then going to the uh the QB model a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, just from a just looking at passing from a passing perspective, Richardson's among guys that really haven't succeeded. As is Will Levis. There were concerns. There there were concerns there. I think um, even in the model that we use, Josh Allen and um, Justin Herbert and you know these guys that we thought had a lot to they had something to overcome. Those guys all rank higher, right? Like those guys, Richardson has more to overcome. Like we showed at the accuracy graphic, I think he has more gap to uh, decrease here from an accuracy standpoint. The one last thing I want to say about Richardson, the part of his game that reminds me of Lamar Jackson was the the analysis, right? Lamar got pegged as a guy that he just likes to run around and make plays. Never was the case. Mm-hmm. He likes to sit in the pocket and play quarterback, and then he'll run when he needs to. Richardson's similar. I think his issues are accuracy and just straight-up inconsistency, footwork and inconsistency. You watch him run the same pass concepts over and over and over again, and he reads it out differently, and he misses the throw one time, he hits the throw the next time. It's just pure inconsistency. But he wants to play quarterback, right? He wants to, he's, he, and, he, and again, when I go to that top 20 plays, there are plays where he steps up in the pocket, he maneuvers the pocket, he feels pressure. He does quarterback-type things. He does quarterback things. He is not simply – like Michael Vick, I think, was really kind of an athlete with a cannon – who, was, uh, who had to develop as a quarterback and needed to learn how to sit in the pocket and do that. I don't think Lamar was that. I don't think Anthony Richardson is that. 
it's just a consistency thing, um, which is a how good are you thing, right? It's like how good can you become throwing the football accurately and on time? And um, that's where Richardson's lacking, and I think he's lacking even more than Josh Allen or Herbert or Lamar or anyone else who hit over right. the last few years. Um, so to get to that superstar level, there's a lot to do. To get to, like you're saying, high floor level, I could build an offense around this guy tomorrow, it's different from Stroud. You're going to hear Stroud's the most NFL-ready from a distribute and all that stuff, but Richardson is as NFL-ready if the team's ready to build an offense around him yeah. and, and, and have an explosive run right. game. You have, to be, you have to be willing to embrace what he is and not try and just shoehorn him into a regular offense the way teams did when Michael Vick came into the league. Like, that's just silly. I'm, I'm working on the assumption that anybody drafting Richardson is going to try and play to his strengths, not just plug him in, but even with the Bears. Like, when they were like, no, just run the offense. And then it's like, all right, fine, fine. We'll call some run plays. And then all of a sudden, their offense like goes through the roof. Like, of course, that's what you should do. All right, we're we're not going to spend as much time on the rest of the guys, but no. let's do our 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 number five. Well, that's a big question mark, right? That's one, two, one, two, three, four for pretty much everybody in some order. Then the question becomes, who's QB five in this draft? All of them. Mike thinks Tanner McKee is. I think Mike's crazy. Mike has Tanner McKee from Stanford. You should love him though, because he's tall. I don't love tall guys. He's as very tall. I, I like watching them play. Liked watching Brock Osweiler play. He was he was fascinating, an enigma even. But uh, Tanner McKee, I'm not completely seeing it. Renner is, um, I think, by far higher on Tanner McKee than anyone else on planet Earth besides maybe McKee's immediate family. And has been since day one. Like that, there's some... He's had him as a first-rounder for three straight there's years. There's got to be a connection there that we don't know about. Like Renner, yeah. for some reason, loves that dude. Maybe that's his source. He's his got grading, one source in the NFL. Maybe it's Tanner. Right. His grading has been average. He doesn't have many big plays, even if his big plays are, are pretty when he has them. Like he's not tremendously athletic. He's got a weird delivery. Just I don't I don't see the Tanner McKee thing at all. He's got the longest legs I've ever seen. I think if you <laughs> again, if you put him and Davis Mills together, because Mills is the last Stanford quarterback who's got the long neck. <laughs> yeah, true. But McKee has probably six foot eleven person type of legs yeah. as a six six. And we guy. just need to find a really long torso guy and come it's up. My old teammate, him. the long torso. He's got my right. size torso. Got then it. all of a sudden, you got the tallest man in the world. So McKee's not QB five. Not for me. I have him nine. Oof. Who have you got as five? I'm going Clayton Toon. Same. From Houston. Same. You're also going Clayton Toon. Now, I thought about Stetson Bennett at five. I'd like him a lot. I knew I would. I hate it. I hate myself for it. I like. I saw it coming based off like a game and a half I've seen of him play in college. I'm like, football player. I know I'm going to like that guy when I go through his tape, and I did. Yeah. But Clayton Toon, I think, is probably the best bet for QB5. He's more. He's got more prototypical NFL tools than Stetson Bennett has working for him. He's 6'2", 220. He's got an arm. He can layer throws over you know, linebackers and dropping DBs, that kind of thing. He had an elite PFF grade, which is – I mean, it's it's a relevant data point, like showing you can succeed in that kind of and that kind of system. Um, he was accurate. He, I think, is the best composite of skills you want in the next quarterback. With the assumption that I think this class is probably four QBs deep, and then you're hoping something else can happen with one of these other guys. But like, if I had to take a shot at one of the one of the other guys. That would be my guy. Yeah, for two, for me, I mean, he's a he's a deve- developmental prospect, right? I think he's a he's a from backup Houston, by the way. from Houston. He's a backup. He's got an elongated release. Got to be a little bit quicker with, with his release. For me, it was the big time throws that stood out, right? So it's just it, for me, it'd be like getting a guy in the building 
to see if he could tap into the high-end play. Because Toon, he has a couple throws on tape where it's tight quarters, tight, tight quarters, and he's flicking it 55 yards in the air. Yeah, to a really to good a, arm. A dime, right? I mean, there's he holds the ball too long sometimes. There, there's a reason why he's not in this first-round conversation with others. Yeah. But there are some special tools in there as far as getting the ball down the field. I do think there are going to be others around the league. I think there are others around the league that have Stetson Bennett right there as QB5. And the question is, 25 years old. Mm. so it's He's going to be 26 as a yeah. rookie. And again, I want to preface this. It's not because he can't get better or develop. It's because what you saw was a man playing with youngsters, playing with 18 to 23-year-olds. Right. Right, so it is. It is just adjusting for a guy that should be in year four in the NFL, playing in college. You do have to wonder how much that matters when he maxes out at five eleven, one hundred ninety. Like it's not, you know, it's not like he had a physical advantage over them by being older. It's kind of like when, you know, like when you become a dad, you get a little extra dad strength or whatever. Old man strength. Yeah, I mean, Stetson has that. Yeah. I mean, it might not show up in his frame, but he's got he's got pretty good zip on the ball. Right? He doesn't have a bad arm for a no. short guy, right? He's got a good arm. He doesn't take sacks as well, which is a big it, thing for a guy that's like working, you know, with certain deficiencies in his game. Do you know why Charles Davis and all those guys were expecting him to run a fast time? No, because they have access. They've seen the on-field speed times. Did you hear Mike's take? Because did you see, you saw his forty runs, right? Yeah, he looked like he was jogging. Oh, that he was going the Zach Robinson. So Mike, that's exactly what yeah. Mike thinks. Mike thinks that he he sandbagged his forty times so that he doesn't get labeled as like this athletic development, you know, like a not a real quarterback thing. That would be stupid. I mean, maybe because if he hit four four, people would say QB five. You say that's that would be stupid. This is also a man that passed up the opportunity to go to a Senior Bowl and Shrine Game and instead got arrested. So. Yeah. It's been a we rough offseason. We can maybe question how much is going on up there. Um, the thing I wanted to point out, though, is on-field speed. It's good. Which, which we might have, you know, secret access to that we can't <laughs> talk about. Okay. There, I think other people who had that were, like, trying to look smart and say – He looks fast. He's going to run 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. He hit one of the top speeds of any quarterback last year against Auburn on a 60-yard run. He's fast. Right. So he- – and then the other part of it is this whole underdog thing. The thing that we loved about Baker Mayfield being an underdog and working yeah. against him. Like, he has beaten out every four and five star ahead of him. And for whatever it's worth, with a great supporting cast of Georgia, still stepped up in big games, won national championships. Like, all of that stuff means something. The in-big games thing, I think, is kind of relevant. He did have his best games at the biggest time, which admittedly is kind of what we're saying about C.J. Stroud, but he did it more often. Like, almost every time they had a big game, he had a big game, or they had a big game. He had a big performance. The guy he reminded me of is uh, Gardner Minshew. Like, if he's a more athletic Gardner Minshew, even if it's marginally more athletic. Bring him in. Um, like, that's kind of what I think of he could be at the NFL. Like, borderline starter, really, really good backup. All right, I'll buy that. Where's uh, Bennett is Renner's six, seven, eight, nine right now. Whoa. Number nine. So the other guy we need to talk about briefly who's getting a lot of QB5 talk is Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Yep. I hate that offense so much. Can't stand it. it it's not applicable to the NFL. So when we're projecting all of the guys out of that offense to the NFL, it's abstract. Like you're talking, you know, the wide receivers. It's like, well, like he's, he's having to answer. The wide receivers now are having to answer. Oh, I, I can run routes. I know how to do it. But like you run three routes in college. 
Hendon Hooker is operating this like theoretical offense where you're only ever reading half the field. And it's not even like a full half field read where you're working through a progression. It's like, it's just an either or concept. Like you have a crossing pattern of some description, a route concept that, that goes against the defense. And all you have to do is decide, do I hit the left guy or the right guy? It's not playing quarterback. It's doing something different. So when you're looking at Hooker and saying he can be QB5, which a lot of people are, it's because he's got prototypical size, more or less, because he's got speed, because he's got all the tools. But projecting what he's doing in college from an offensive point of view to what he's going to have to do in the NFL is barely even worth attempting because the offense is that absurd. So if you're losing like touchdown to interception ratio – you're just wasting everybody's time because that's like irrelevant. Yeah, it's not the stats. It, if you want to make the Hendon Hooker argument, it's watch him against Alabama, watch him make the the twenty plus yard dig route against Bama to get into field goal range. Like watch him. There are a couple NFL throws in there that are nice. It is a full projection though, as far as what he can do reading the field out. We we have those stats where it's like how how many throws were your first read, your second read, fifteen throws in three years for Hooker <laughs> were second read, right? They, they literally don't even exist in that offense. It's the Baylor tree. We saw Bryce Petty put up good stats in this. We, Drew Locke played in this offense a little bit. Um, the one guy I think that's come out of this offense that we don't have data on but played in it and, finally, and eventually became a pretty good NFL quarterback was Jimmy Garoppolo um, back at Eastern Illinois. He actually played in something similar, and he's played a different style. But he had a few years to sit and learn, and so I think Hooker can do that, but he's also – 25 years old yes 25 coming off an acl like there are a lot of things not to like about hendon hooker i also so he's my qb7 let's do you have do we have sam's top 10 because you went to 10 yeah you did more homework than me (laughs) i I can make up a 10 though i can make up a 10 he's my qb7 and i just don't know what to do with him because it's like those abstract like he has the tools and if that's what you're so if you're looking at this and saying there are four guys with the tools and the game to play starter at the nfl level and then you're like, well, of the rest, of everybody else, who can be something more than a backup? Hooker could be, but the projection involved there is huge. So right. I just don't really know where to rank him. I, I can see people ranking him five, and I understand why they do it. I just don't think there's enough there to put him there. So he's my QB7. Um, eight is Todd Santeo from James Madison. Used to be at Colorado State, I think. He's like, he's got some size to him. I think he's six, two, uh, two or six foot, rather, 220s. Like, he feels like a sort of budget Dante Culpepper. Ooh. You know, he's got that big, stocky yeah, yeah. frame and just kind of runs over When you say guys. size, you didn't mean height. You just meant... No, no, no. He's got, like, he's got some chunk to him. Thick. You know what I mean? Um, he's got a good arm. He's mobile. He can make plays. I liked his game quite a lot. Uh, Tanner McKee was my number nine because, you know, what the hell. And then Jake Henner from Fresno State. He's the classic... Small, feisty quarterback you got to love every year. Yeah. Six foot, 207 pounds, bigger arm than he has any right to have at that size, but it's still not good. Uh, just, you know, he's the scrappy guy. He's the, uh, who was the Patriots backup, the mini, you know. The Bailey Zappi? Yeah, yeah, there you go. He's he's, this, the sort of, he's this year's Bailey Zappi. Yeah, I put Hayner as my sleeper too. So I know we, we both, uh, you put your sleeper as uh, the Democrat there? Yeah, Tim Demorat. I think is how you say that. It's basically Democrat without a C in it. Um, from Fordham, who Auto, autocorrect, autocorrect kept getting you on that one. Yeah, I'm very confused by his tape because his nice. big plays, a good sleeper. his big plays are insane, and he has a million of them. Um, 
I think he has a big arm as well. He was at the, I think it was the Shrine game and had a bunch of big plays in that. Also had a bunch of terrible plays. Um, but I think he has the arm. But every time I watch him, I'm left wondering if that's actually true. Like you see a play and it's like, oh, he's got zip. He's got power. He's got the ability to heave it 50 yards off platform. And then his baseline seems to be more rainbow than it should be based off those physical traits. So I'm kind of wondering why that is and if we can stop him doing it because you're putting a lot of air under a lot of these passes in a way that isn't going to be helpful at the next level. But I think he's got a ton of big plays. I think he's got the size. Uh, his tape is kind of absurd at Fordham. He's got incredible, um, not highlights, but like a baseline of really good play. Again, when you're talking about sleepers, it's like who has the potential to be something more than like making a roster. And I think he's got that. All right, so that's your top 10, my top five, ultimately, what we reviewed here. Bryce Young. Really extending yourself here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a top 10, though. I'm oh, going to do okay. it right now. CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, three. Will Levis, four. Clayton, two, and five. Mm-hmm. I'll go Stetson Bennett, six, like okay. you. Um, I'll go – I'm copying you now. Hendon Hooker, seven. <laughs> Tanner McKee, eight. Jake Hayner, nine. Oh, so your sleeper and nine. Yep, and nine. And Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. Was so fun. I don't care. He was fun. I'll go 10 for him. The Purdue quarterback, Aiden O'Connell. His 2021 YOLO, tape, baby. His 2021 tape is very good. A little bit like Levis. Um, but unlike Levis, he actually has a ton of big-time throws. A ton of big-time throws. And his big-time throws, they're not just like – they're not C.J. Stroud big-time throws where it's just like that's great ball placement in a tricky area deep down the field. It's like he's manipulating defenses. He's looking off coverage. He's reading where something is not going to be open and adjusting to where it is going to be open. It's just his turnover-worthy plays are like a different human being. Because all of the things I just talked about as being what he can do, he then stops doing them for the the turnover-worthy plays. And it's like instead of seeing when something isn't going to be open and going somewhere else, he's like, no, I'm going to fire it in the middle of four linebackers. It's like, what are you – what? I don't understand how those two reels are the same person. All right, we got one minute. Nice. Or maybe you could just leave again like you did yesterday. No, because I need the desk this time. I want to get to my, my QB comps. Oh, yes. I got some comps. Yes. So do. let's talk through this here. Mm-hmm. Again, comparison doesn't mean this is the exact player. It's a little of uh, reminds me of yeah. stylistically and all and that look, stuff. As much as it's a hard out at 1135, I got a couple more minutes. Oh, was, you got a couple minutes? I was budgeting time for us not hitting the mark. Oh, okay. You know? No, so look at us. I can set up the little tripod over there and, and dial I perfectly in. paced the show. Yeah. Perfectly paced. So my comps, I went with Bryce Young is uh, Doug Flutie. Like I'm it. stealing that from Nate Tice. Perfect that is the, the short quarterback that can, that can play in the NFL. Uh, when I'm watching C.J. Stroud, I get the same vibes as watching Derek Carr, which is give me, give me greatness around me and some good stuff will happen. Hmm. And I like it pre $40 million contract, right? I like him before that. I like him on the first contract. I think there's a lot that CJ Stroud does that is similar to Derek Carr. As I'm watching Will Levis, I was getting Mitch Trubisky vibes. I think all three of those comps are actually very good. Um, Thank and you. I get like, so Georgia, the Georgia game for CJ Stroud is like Derek Carr 2016 where you're like, oh, wow, this guy's actually going to be the, the next great young quarterback. Yeah. And then the rest of C.J. Stroud's career is the rest of Derek Carr's career. Where you're like, why doesn't this work better? Like, he's got the ability. Why, why does it not happen more often? And, That's you know, you're like questioning, does he really understand what's even happening out here? And 
even right down to the sort of leadership stuff, right? Like Derek Carr, when the whole thing went to hell in a handbasket and his coach got fired and his wide receiver got arrested, Derek Carr was like a leadership superhuman. And C.J. Stroud, like, that's the one thing nobody questions. So I think that's a great comp. And then the, the Levis to Trubisky thing is so accurate that it scares me because I have him as the number two quarterback. I ran that by someone in the league, just someone in the league, someone who the said, league. I like that as well. Because yeah. um, it was really, even even though we ended up ranking Trubisky high, sometimes I go back to just my, my feels when I was watching him. Right. And, I, and I was in and out on Trubisky within games, game to game, even at North Carolina. Yeah, I like it. it's like, it. here's some really good stuff, but here's like, man, why is he doing this? I like it and hate it at the same time. Yes. So what was the rest of the comps? Um, so for Anthony Richardson, mostly a joke because this is what everybody's talking right. about. Cam Newton, Justin Fields, Michael Vick, Josh Allen. It's all of those guys rolled into one. There's kernels of truth with all of them. Um, Anthony Richardson's a combo of every super athletic with a quarterback with a cannon for an arm. And then your the finest work was the comp for Tanner McKee. Tanner McKee reminds me of CC the giraffe, <laughs> who is uh, famous for living at the Cincinnati Zoo. I see. We have a, we we have have a zoo membership say, here. Do we have a picture of CC or CC the giraffe? No, we couldn't. couldn't this make might that be more because I know giraffes have bigger necks than legs or whatever, but he's yeah, just yeah. big, big, tall. I mean, they're pretty tall either way. You know, there's, they're there's, tall either way, right? Really, in fact, proportionally, it's they've got the thing you were talking about with the if we combine them with Davis Mills, because then we got the long neck, the long legs. CC the giraffe, and kind of a yeah. shorter torso relative to those two things. CC the giraffe is the last two Stanford quarterbacks, Tanner McKee put together, and Davis yeah. Mills put together. Mm-hmm. McKee's got the longest legs I've ever seen, I think. Which usually, I, you know, teammates that I had that had really long legs through 100 miles an hour. I mean, it's, it's oh. good for velocity, I think, okay. was my theory, based off a couple of guys I played with. Sure. So those are my comps. Drop us your comps in the chat or in the comments if you're watching after the fact. Um, it's been fun doing some QB if your If your favorite quarterback was any of the ones we haven't mentioned, you're wrong because they're bad. Oh, I guess not. I need to go watch your uh, FCS guys, though, a couple more times. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna go, uh, oh, maybe from... my F- the FCS. I'm still – we're early, right? Yeah. We might someone circle needs, back in April. Someone definitely needs to run the rule over that dude from Incarnate Word whose who's numbers went to the moon last year and just figure out what the hell happened there. We'll check it out. We will absolutely check it out. So, anyway, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Those are our QB rankings. You're back tomorrow Yeah. with somebody. Uh-huh. Probably Brad. Sure. All right. We got a show tomorrow at the same time. Be sure to – Follow us on Twitter, finally. PFF NFL Pod on Twitter. I All know. right. Hit the like button on the way out. Hit the like button on the way out. Tell your friends. We're growing here. PFF NFL Podcast. Mm-hmm. Next week, all free agency, Monday through Wednesday, nonstop with Brad in town. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Brad, Sam, we'll see you again tomorrow.